and welcome to Blades Pod. It's Wednesday, the 5th of February. My name is Ben. Slightly later than Build, we've overcome Virgin Media maintenance and emergency dentist work, and we're back to talk about the Blades. The we being, of course, myself and Andrew, who is on the line. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing very well. Better than yesterday when I couldn't speak. <laughs> <laughs> I had a wisdom tooth coming through when... Um... Oh, it's just everyone who's ever had one will know how painful that is. So I had to have it straight out, and I couldn't speak, which some people might say is a good thing. But <laughs> <laughs> but you're doing quite well. You're not slurring your words or anything today. So. I was yesterday. I sounded like I was drunk, to be completely honest. But I thought, yeah, fair. I sound like one of them people like going Weatherspoons at eight o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> <laughs> and you are definitely not one of those people. No, it's no, more like nine thirty, ten o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, right. Well, plenty to talk about. Uh, United. Yet another win, yet more points away from home. Went to Sellers Park on Saturday and won 1-0. And, uh, yeah, it was our first win in London in uh, 20 Premier League matches. I mean, I, I don't know how don't know much stock you put in these, like, United versus London st- stats. Yeah. I mean, it's, it seems kind of arbitrary to me. I mean, I don't know. It's just, there's a lot of teams in London, but it's not like... I don't know. It's not like we're travelling to a different continent or anything where no. the conditions are different. But all the same, you know. And I think the fact that obviously we've, that's what nineteen ninety two, weren't it? Last time we we won in London, mm-hmm. it's nothing to do with the players, obviously, or the or the management team or anything like that. It's just a quirk, I think, rather than anything else. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, that said, we are unbeaten versus London this season. So even though mm-hmm. we haven't won won against uh, a London team for ages. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, and we've we've done all the away games now. I think haven't we? We've done Chelsea, Spurs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could chuck, uh, you could include Watford in that. I suppose I'm not sure if Watford is technically in London. I don't know if it's more uh, yeah. Hertfordshire yeah. or something, but it's near enough. Uh, Millwall as well, of course, uh, an extra London team yeah. that we've gone to and, uh, and emerged unbeaten, and uh, first double of the season as well. Two one nil wins over Palace. Yeah. Um, Really happy about that, just purely because the Palace fans on the first view from that I did were all, they'll get found out, we'll beat them next time, we're going to finish above them, so it's like, you know, two fingers up at them. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were the um, overlapping centre-backs, you're having a laugh kind of thing, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, Roy's not going to be having any of this sort of nonsense, it's like, well, he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think, that first game, the one at Bromwell Lane, was, uh, it wasn't the most exciting game, um, and I think this was probably also not, an incredibly exciting game, but some more. I think more interesting things happened in it. Certainly more eventful, I'd say. Um, yeah, that, that I don't fair? think Palace are a very good side to watch as a whole. I mean, you know, I'm, I don't want to sound like we were amazing and they brought us down to that level because that's not what happened. But every time I've seen Palace, it's been a really boring game to be completely honest. Because that's the way they play. They, they soak it up, don't they? they? They're quite negative, and then they'll try and break most. I think they've only scored 11 goals at home this season. Ouch. Which yeah, sort of sums up the way they play. So I didn't think it'd be a high-scoring game or anything. Yeah, they're they're just the same as they always are, really. I suppose if like yeah, like you said, if they're playing a I don't know, let's just say a normal team in the Premier League, then it's yeah, it's it's like a drab, you know, low yeah. low energy, low quality kind of game. If they, they come alive, if they're playing like Man City or Arsenal or someone like that, they all set up for that sort of game because the pace and everything they've got on the break, and and they're not bad defensively. I don't think I don't think they conceded many goals, so mm. it's understandable why they play like like that to a degree. But I can understand why a lot of Palace fans are upset or angry or whatever the way that they set up against teams like us. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it in the preview for for this game, didn't we? How 
you know, they, as a, you know, from what you could tell of their fan base, relegation for them is not even remotely a consideration. So, although that did change after <laughs> after we beat, which is what normally happens after when someone loses, we're the same as United fans. You lose a game and you're like, oh my god, we're definitely going down. It's just that sort of extreme thing. But realistically, I don't think they really think they're in a day any sort of danger. But they are 14th now, aren't they? Yeah, but they're still. I mean, what are they on? Thirty-one points. They're not. Yeah, they're not going down. I don't. You know, they did have to pretty much lose every game from now on, or you know, they yeah. need like three wins or something like that. And yeah, I think uh, I think they'll be absolutely fine. But yeah, um, rather be in our position, obviously. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, speaking of losing every game, actually, uh, we have lost seven. I noticed this the other day. We lost seven games total this season, and we lost twenty the last time we were in the Premier League. So we'd have to lose our last 13 games to equal the amount of losses we had in the Premier League last season. That's which mad. That it, is insane, that. To be it fair. is yeah. crazy that we lost that many. I mean, I think I think when I came into this season, I was like, we probably will lose like 15 or 17 games or something like that. I just... Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you figure, you know, you lose that, maybe you win 10 or 12, so that takes you up to what, call it 29, and then 10 draws, something like that. Yeah, that's survival. But we've, like, we've lost less games than Man United, Chelsea and Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> insane it really absolutely is absolutely ridiculous um, 19 away points now as well and more points than all three relegated teams last year so yeah, we're in good shape um, if you still still entertain thoughts that Sheffield United are not going to be playing Premier League football next season then I urge you to put money on it because you can get a thousand to one on United to be relegated so mm-hmm. go and uh you know, go and make yourself feel better if if the worst absolutely happens. Well, but... I think the, the the thing has changed now. I think the the people who are more prone to be negative are probably going to be moaning if we drop out of the top ten now, which is a, which is progress. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, right. So let's, let's talk uh, more specifically about this Palace game then. Um, first half not good. Um, I think we should probably we should probably mention the conditions were also. Not good. It was very windy by the looks of things, and yeah, yeah, it was a it was a low quality game all round. But also, we we were so we were just non-existent in that first half. I thought. I mean, I thought that was the worst half we've played this season. I mean, there's been a there's definitely been a few where we've we've taken a first half off. I think this season, but yeah, but uh, to me, this is one where I was like, oh, that was just terrible. The only things we did well was defend. But every time we had the ball, which wasn't much at all, we were all over the on place. On the ball, we were awful. Going forward, there was no spark. There was no sort of creativity. It was really slow. And I don't even think that's... I don't think that's meant Bernie or Sharp's fault or anything like that. I just There was no support for him, really, a lot of the time. And, yeah, I thought we started off for the first five or six minutes pretty good, actually. Mm. Uh, we, we got... I think you know, Bergen nearly got in, uh, like, with an header and stuff, and they were across from the, the left-hand side. And it all just went a bit... Yeah, and to be fair, Wilder said he was surprised at how quick Palace came out um, as well because they're normally a team who's sitting in the first half and then go for it in the second half, which seems to be the tactics that we're employing. We're definitely going for it more second half, and I do think that's getting to the point now where I'm starting to think that's probably deliberate. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, that you're you're right with the, um, the Palace surprising this thing, but I, at the same time, I was like, I don't know if I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I don't know if that's an excuse for how we played in the first half. I mean, no. I, I don't feel like we do. We're like, oh, Palace are trying to attack us. Let's uh, let's lose the ball every time we yeah. have it and just hit it straight out of play and stuff like that. So, yeah. I mean, the one where Baldock got bought, I, don't, I thought if it was second or his first one, uh, and it was just a really bad pass that got into that position anyway, where he were 
no one on him on the right hand side and he passed it straight to them mm. and that sort of summed up you know how, how we were with the ball Fleck lost it a couple of times which doesn't like him Norwood were having one of his Norwood performances I thought in that first half where he everything he touches just goes away from him and stuff and yeah uh, everyone who we, we look to look after the ball wasn't looking after the ball yeah and there's ones like you know that we finally got a bit of football going and then O'Connell's going into the box and he overhit the pass except for a yeah. goal kick and so even that were really slow I thought for yeah we, O'Connell's made that run and Stevens has sort of hesitated a little bit too much and then O'Connell's having a go at him after isn't he but yeah they were just all a little bit sloppy and a little bit almost a little bit too I don't know So, in an attacking sense I thought we were too careful mm. and whether that's because we know that Palace's main strength are hitting people on the break I'm not sure but certainly it wasn't free flowing yeah like I say it's, it's hard for me to to think like you know, we sort of we're surpri- we're so surprised that Palace were trying to attack us that we just mm-hmm. then played like crap, which essentially we did. And I mean, yeah, we had we had at zero shots in the first half, which I can't remember happening under Wilder at all. I mean, yeah. maybe it happened in. Do you know? I don't even think it happened in the Liverpool away game where they passed us to death because we had a couple of shots in the first half. Yeah, we did. McGoldrick had one with the keeper saved, and yeah, so I'd be I'd be surprised if that's happened this season, and, and to happen against a low quality team like Palace as well was was pretty frustrating. I mean, yeah, you mentioned Norwood. I mean, I looked this up afterwards because I, I said to you at half time, I was like, Norwood's having one of his his bi monthly shockers. You know, it's yeah. every couple of months he just has this uh, just tremendously terrible game. Um, <laughs> and I looked it up, and he actually only misplaced five passes in the first half. But it's just like. They're so noticeable because you, you expect him to do something good all the time. And, I, I, and they're so simple, I think, his mistakes when he makes them. He, he's, he's brilliant still at making these 20-yard passes and stuff, but sometimes he just done all those three or four-yard passes and you're thinking, how can you pass it 20 yards so mm. perfectly? And then there's someone right here. I don't know, maybe he needs glasses, maybe he's short side. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the Edgar Davids look going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. But yeah, but like you say, the stats don't back that up, so maybe I was just sort of picking on him a little bit. But I don't know, yeah, I, th- I felt that he wasn't, the only one, but he did stand out more than anyone else. I thought in terms of his passing, he usually does, doesn't it? Just because of the way yeah. we play and the, the amount of uh, usage he has in terms of being on the ball and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, you're talking of uh, the teams. So Sharp started up front. Uh, I'm just trying to think. Did he start our last? Prim- yeah, he started against Man City. Yeah, as well, yeah his last three he started, including the Millwall game. Yes, the significant change, of course, was a, a full debut for Sander Berger coming in for Mo Besic and uh, obviously for Lundstrom as well, as who didn't play in the, the previous game. Um, and he was playing right centre midfield, as we kind of expected that he would. A, a slightly different role to how he's mainly been used at Genk. Um, do you want to just quickly give give thoughts on uh, on how he played in this one? I think you can tell there's a player there straight off. I think he's so... I can't believe how big he is <laughs> and how good he is. Like, it, you know, he's so comfortable on the ball. He's really strong. I think there were a couple... Of, three or four occasions where the pace of the game, um, he, he wasn't up to the standard that he's going to have to be in a couple of weeks, which I'm sure he will be, is that, you know, he sort of dawdled on the ball a little bit, looking for a pass, and then they'll come in and nick it off him. And I think you get used to that. That's not a criticism of him. I, I expected that to happen, to be completely honest. It's just a different pace, isn't it, in mm. the in the Premier League to the uh, Belgian, whatever it's called. I don't know, what was it called? The Belgian League. The Belgian League, <laughs> yeah. Belgian League. Um, so, it's uh, yeah, so I wasn't, wasn't surprised, but I thought he definitely showed bits and pieces there that... 
show what a good player he is. How did you feel his performance were? I think it was it was probably what I expected. I, I, there's probably some uh, mean spirited people who are like twenty two million, and, and he was only like a seven out of ten. Like, Whoa, yeah. you, want, you want more than that? But that's not you know he's he's not been signed. He's not like um, you know he's not David Silver, is he? He's not that kind of player. Yeah. Um, no, he's not take four players on and put it in a corner, is it? No, exactly. I mean, you know, you, you kind of said there with the um, you know like pace of the game and stuff like that. And I, I, I previous to this weekend, I often turn my nose up a bit when people say that. Like, you know, the mm. Premier Premier League, always, you don't have any time on the ball. It's so much faster than everything else. I was that always struck me as like a little bit of an arrogant thing to say. But yeah, but actually, afterwards, Berger's been interviewed and he's saying I've done more running in six in the sixty minutes I played than I've done in ninety minutes ever. Yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> there is and something I think in the it. The fact it was Palace, who are a hard-working side, in fairness to them, and they're a fast side as well. Um, they play mm. in a in a more of an old-fashioned way than I think a lot of other teams in the division do. Which is not a, that's not a criticism, and I think we do as well. Mm. Um, and and I think it was probably a difficult game to come into away, horrible conditions yeah. against an hard-working side who it can hit you on the break. You've always got to be wary of what's behind you and stuff like that. So. And he's only been in the country about two or three days, so yeah, yeah. I, think I think we're a fine start without being spectacular. Yeah, I agree. Unfamiliar role in a you know a, we've always said our team is our sort of way of playing is quite specialised and just takes some getting used to. Yeah, um, but no, he had an impact. He had, uh, six out of six tackles and most on the pitch. Won three out of his four aerial duels, which second most for United. Uh, completed twelve out of sixteen passes. That that was quite noticeable to me. I, I, I reckon in a month we'll be astonished that he only attempted 16 passes in a game of football because I think that'll be yeah. up to like 40 or 50 when he's properly like integrated into how we play. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was uh, it was a, a joy to see him play for us in terms of, you know, if not necessarily like the massive impact he had on the game, but it's just like, oh my God, look, this guy. I, I don't want people to get carried away because it, it might be next season where he really proves himself. I, I mean, obviously no one knows how he's going to adapt to the completely new lifestyle but he's 21 years old it's easy to forget that um, yeah. when players move to different countries some players pick you up immediately you know it's not a problem but it's a big move it's a massive massive move in terms of just a, in a personal level but he seems proper grounded doesn't he on the behind the blades videos and all that sort of stuff so yeah, yeah. I, I'm not worried at all that he's going to be a, a really really good signing no, this is where you replay it again, like you did last time. <laughs> but we're selling him for a million next year. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty confident that one's not going to happen. But then I suppose we never say never after this week, I guess. Um, I guess the, the one of the key things in that first half, and uh, probably through the game itself, really, Zahar versus George Baldock. And maybe this is a good, good point to just talk about Zahar generally, but... Baldock gets booked uh, almost immediately against Sahar for a, a pretty cynical pullback. I mean, there were no... I don't think... You do well to argue that that was not a yellow card, I think. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And, and then you're kind of like, well, you know, it's just going to be... You know, it's going to be the sort of classic torrid time now for Baldock because Zahar's uh, just going to go against him every single attack, basically. And, um, yeah, somehow, George Baldock did not get sent off. Um and I think it's fair to say that he absolutely should have been. He should have. Twice that's happened, in fairness to him now as well, because he did it at Wolves as well, where he should have been sent off. Oh, blimey, yeah, I forgot about that. Is he just... He must be... I don't know. What's, what's he doing? He must be slipping He's too good-looking. That's what it is. Referees are, like, sort of stunned by his beauty, so they, don't, <laughs> they refuse to send him off. He's too angry-looking. They're worried he's going <laughs> yeah, to incredible that, yeah. Hulk them or something like that. But, yeah, he... Um, 
Do you know, the first time I saw... So what happens is he's already been booked and Zahar gets it on the touchline and Bulldog sort of steams into him. And I, I, watching in real time, I actually thought he got a little touch on the ball. And I, I, having seen it again, I think he possibly did. The angle that looks like looking down the touchline, you can't yeah. see that at all. But the kind of head-on angle, you can see a bit of a deviation. All the same, he steams through and uh, Zahar ends up on the floor again. And yeah, I don't know how that wasn't a yellow card or a second yellow card, I should say. And then we would be in trouble. And I'm like panicking at this point I'm thinking we, we have to take him off this he, he has to come off at half time and I'm looking at the bench and you know for the first time in about four weeks Kieran Freeman's not on the bench so we don't I'm thinking like can yeah. Bellsbourne play right wing back is that something well, I was do? I'm glad you've said this because I do panic when people get yellow cards or Bessich against City when he got booked after about a minute I think about 20 minutes in I was saying get him off not because he was playing badly but just because I was worried <laughs> he were going to be sent off and obviously all three of them were on, were on a yellow card by half time I think in that game That's and right. this was another one where I was saying at half time I was saying to mate, you know get him off even if it means putting Basham to right wing back at least he'll stick to Zahar you know but mm. do you know what fair play to him for not getting involved in anything in that second half that could have seen him sent off absolutely that, I think that was his last foul of the game actually he didn't make a single foul in the second half yeah because so. we were rotational fouling weren't we so. <laughs> uh, right we should probably talk we can we can talk about this here so this is Matthew Syed of the Times it was basically uh decrying rotational fouling in inverted commas on Wilfred Zahar and what did he call it institutional institutionalized bullying I've never seen such a dramatic headline about football in my entire life so I mean what did you make of how we played Zahar I we we were quite physical with him yeah definitely I'm not going to deny that but what we're supposed to do just let him have it I think it's. I hate this sort of. It's like I put to him actually that it smacks of armchair fan sort of moaning to me. Where mm. I, I like a physical tackle. I like. I don't like players just running past three players without anyone putting a tackle. And I, it's part of the game for me getting stuck in. Obviously, you can't go overboard, but I don't think we were. I think. I think Bolder should have been sent off. I will not deny that he should have mm. definitely been sent off. But I don't think it were anything sort of. I certainly didn't think it were a tactic to foul him. He just happens to be on the ball all the time because he's yeah. the outlet. He switched wings, which is why we got sort of more bookings. You know, I think six people ended up fouling him, I think, or something like that. Mm. Well, that's because he switched wings. And it's also because his main thing is getting the ball and running with it. You either tackle him or you miss a tackle and you, and you foul him. Yeah. It wasn't as if we were kicking him all game like they used to in the 70s and stuff. That, <laughs> such a, I don't think he watched the game, and I mean that. I don't think Saeed watched the game. I think he's looked at a few... Stats and thought yeah. well, he's been fouled a lot. Right, I'll write an article about that because if he did, I think he'd have realised that these fouls weren't sort of big hacks or anything like that. A lot of the time, a couple of them I don't think were fouls, and I think mm. a lot of them would sort of just challenges that were slightly mistimed. They weren't going in or anything like that with any intention. Yeah, I don't have a I don't have a great deal to add to that. I think you've you've, you've summed it up really well with. Um... Yeah, it, it did also smack to me that he'd seen Zahara has been fouled eight times in this game. That's by far the most of any player on the pitch. United must have targeted him. But yeah. as you say, the, the fact he was on the ball constantly, I think there was only one other player on, on Palace in the first half that had touched the ball more than him, and that was like their centre-half because they were just knocking it about at the back. But I I agree. I don't, I don't feel like we were over-physical with him. And some of those fouls were like... You know, it's just like two players jumping for a header. I think there was one where... Yeah. Um... He's not seen the fouls, and I, I, do, I genuinely believe he has not seen all eight of those fouls. Yes, almost certainly not. He probably just saw that Bulldog should have been sent off and thought that's a, a little bit of a story. I'll, I'll dig into that. Oh, he's been fouled loads of hard, so there must be something on this. The only one I thought was a bit cynical was Fleck. Like, in the second half, he just sort of 
flicked, yeah. flicked a boot out of him. And then I loved how he tried to get away with it, Fleck. He sort of like acted like it wasn't him that had done it. He like went up to Zahar to like, you know, play the sort of uh, peacemaker yeah. of like, no, I don't, I'm really sorry about my mate for fouling you there. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Don't worry, don't worry about it, Wilf. But, um, but that was a tactical foul, but that was a good foul as well. That wasn't a foul in the sense, it, oh, yeah. It's cheating, technically, I suppose. I suppose Syed's got a point with that sort of foul, but that happens every game. It was the last minute. Their main man's got the ball running down the wing. He's gone past Fleck. What do you do? Just stop. So, oh, he's too good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I... Um... You either bring him down or you let him go. And I think every one of us probably clapped when he brought him down. And I'm sure Palace fans would have done the same if it was one of our star players, you know, having the ball in the last minute as well. Yeah, I mean, Milivojevic... Uh did it um, in the second half we were 1-0 up and Bernie were running away and it was that was probably the most cynical foul of the whole game to be honest the classic like yeah. just, just leg you up kind of foul I think <laughs> I think I've said this before it might have been in the Man City game uh, I think the longer we spend at the Premier League see, we've started to do the tactical fouls but yeah. I think we'll disguise them better <laughs> you know, well, it's City like, do it all the time yeah. City do it all the time and you know some some, some quarters people like very clever play but now, I've noticed that now they're not winning the league People have sort of gone against it and said, oh, it's not right. I've heard a discussion on TalkSport. And I'm sure like the same people last season were saying it's very clever what they do. But now they're not winning. It's not clever anymore. Yeah. It's, it's just nonsense. It absolutely is the worst article I've seen this year. And there's been a lot of bad articles because it was based on something he'd not seen more than anything. I think that's a bit unforgivable as a journalist, to be honest. Hmm. Yes, not good at all. Um there's been a lot of crap journalism this week as well. So. <laughs> That's very fair. But Zahar is uh, he's in the top three most fouled players in the Premier League. So it's he's like you say. He's in the last five years as well. Oh, in terms of uh, being penalised for diving? Yeah, yellow cards and stuff. And I'm not saying any of those were dives or anything like that, but it were going off as if, like, oh, this poor victimised Zahar. Everybody knows he's a, he's a, you know, he's a bit of a... A bit of a diver. Same with Grealish. He's a great player and stuff, but everyone knows he goes down easily. Let's not make out that mm. he's getting hacked to shreds. Traore, on the other hand, I don't think he does dive. I think people do stop him because he's just too fast. Yeah. Ace was a hard most of the time. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's a similar case to what you said about, um, you know, the reason he gets fouled all the time is because they give him the ball all the time. And it's, just, you know, that's the reason he's also, yeah. I guess, I guess involved in a lot of diving incidences because. He's constantly on the ball, dribbling into the penalty area, that kind of thing. Well, um, I, I, forgive me, because someone else said this on the S2 forum, but uh, they, they said Palace's tactics, plan A, give it to Zahar, plan B, give it to Zahar, yeah. <laughs> plan C, give it to Zahar. Yeah, so that's the, yeah, I've, I've, I think it's a nonsense to say that we, we we did what every team does, basically. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel like, I've certainly in the past felt like we've targeted players more. I think... This is just like Baldock should have been sent off because he made two or three yellow card challenges. Essentially, yeah. somehow got away with the, yeah. the last one, but it wasn't like we were flying into him and kicking him up in the air or anything like that. I think that's just that's just nonsense. I think if we wanted to do that, it would have been much more obvious. Yeah. Um, just to sort of message uh, on for a kickoff. <laughs> <laughs> just to lead on from what you were saying there. I mean, first half, seventy-one percent of Palace's attacks came down that left hand side. 71% That's it's a bit embarrassing at times it's ridiculous um, and even at full time after they'd uh, rot- you know it, it rotated over to the other flank it was still 58% down the left so it just shows you you know how heavy a lean it was down that left hand side I was a little bit disappointed with Stevens in the first half because it, they were quite clearly going down one side and I thought there were a lot of sort of space to be opened up on the other side and I don't mm. think Stevens got forward I, I understand why Baldock didn't get forward because 
obviously he's got us a heart to contend with. You've got to be careful. But I thought Stevens could have really pushed on a little bit more than he did. But he played a little bit safe. Second half, I thought it was a completely different story. And Stevens were our best player in that half. Yeah, it's a good shout. Um, is there any team in the Premier League or anywhere, I suppose, more reliant on a single player than Palace are on Zahar? I can't think of one. I really, really can't think of one. I can't um, either. It reminds you a little bit, and it's, this is worse, but they're, they're worse, I think. But when we had Jamie Murphy under cloth, hmm. and everything came through Jamie Murphy, because they were only one in the team who could basically get the ball and run at people. Reminds me of that, in a, but I think it's worse than that, to be honest. It's it's like that classic thing, you know, in the in the playground where you've got the one good player, and you just keep passing it to him. I mean, you know, we <laughs> yeah. sort of... A bit condescendingly saying there, you know, Roy's tactics, not you, Hodgson. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> give it Wilf and hope he does something. But that genuinely is their approach to football. And You can understand why they were so scared to lose him for it that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the rest of that team is is not good, I don't think. I think, it's, I think it is a, a championship team. You look... You know, I thought Kale had a really good game. Actually, he was almost uh, he almost unbeatable in the air. I think eleven out of thirteen aerials, which is is why McBurney perhaps wasn't as influential as he uh, mm-hmm. as he normally is. But then they remind me a little bit. I mean, if people look at our team on paper, I think they could you could make comparisons with us and Palace. A lot of those players have come up from the Championship and stuff, haven't they? Like, mm-hmm. and then there's a few experienced heads flying around. But I don't think they work anywhere near as well as a team, and I don't think they're anywhere near as sort of. You know, on our day, we can be really creative. I'm not sure if that's mm. the case with Palace, to be completely honest. No, and I'd also argue that um, a lot of their team is is players on the on the downward curve yeah. of their career now. Whereas, you know, United, you, you can't say that uh, a lot of them haven't improved. But yeah, you look at you look at the MacArthur twins or McCarthy twins, whatever it is, yeah, in midfield. Tomkins, you know, he's he's been around the block. Kale, you know, still pretty solid at this level, but. Definitely nearing the end of his career. Um, IU as well. Benteke, flipping egg. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. I don't know. I'd be... I mean, they're going to stay up. We're going to stay up. And they definitely will be a team I'll be looking at next year and thinking that's... You can pencil them in as another one that we will finish above. Um, I hope so, yeah. I mean, on James McCarthy, every time someone mentions his name, I always get a bit mad with him for leaving Everton when they had Lennon because they used to have Lennon and McCarthy. <laughs> I used to love that, and then he left quite soon after. Like, no, oh, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> How have I never realised that? That's a great <laughs> show. It's quite a bit, McCarthy. Yeah, so, <laughs> and he left to Palace, and he was like, "Ah, oh, the dream is gone." <laughs> um, I mean, what do you think of Zahar as a as a player? Like, in terms of his ability and his, like, I guess his his ceiling as a player. Like, where where should he? I think he's. Re- I think he's a really good player. I don't think he's. I, I don't think he's world class or anything personally. Mm. I think he's really, really, really good. I think he's, you know, put him in our team. He's the best player in our team. I think put him in, uh, I don't know, yeah, an Everton. He's probably the best. Team. I don't think he's a, a top four player personally. Or in mm. terms, I mean, he's not a big player for a top four team, should I say? Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you slightly because Everton's okay. the the comparison. I I kind of had that hypothetical in head as well in my head as well. And, I sort of feel if you put him in a good team, he'll disappear a bit. Like mm. the Everton comparison, you know, if, if he's in a team with Richarlison, uh, Iwobi, mm. uh, Calvert Lewin, I, I don't, I don't think he's that. Sigurdsson as well, yeah, I, yeah. yeah I don't think he's that from. influential. Um, I actually think he's probably best off probably playing most of his career at Palace, to be honest, unless he can get a massive. Wage, wage. Well, he did leave, didn't he? And he went to Man United, obviously, and they bought him yeah. back. He never. I know he was younger then. 
And don't get me wrong, he's a really good player. I don't want to slag him off. I, like I said, I think if he comes into our team, he's, he's the best player in, in the squad. But I don't think he's got it. Personally, I mean, he might prove me wrong. I don't think he's got it in him to be a, a big player at a top four side. No, but I think this is this is kind of what I'm saying. is He's at his best when you can give him the ball 70% of the time. Every yeah. single attack, you know, seven out of ten attacks, give him the ball. And, you know, he'll win a free kick, he'll beat a man, he'll get into the box, he'll, you know, possibly win a penalty, get a shot in, that kind of thing. But, mm. yeah, I think if he goes, if he went to a team with more attacking talent, where it's it's going to get shared around more out of necessity as well as logic, I suppose, I think he, I think his influence will be much less. So, yeah, yeah he's, he's yeah. comfortably, it, it's interesting what you say about how would he get on at United. I think he'd, he'd definitely be technically our best player, I'd say, mm. but... I don't know if he'd be our most important player. It sounds really... No, no, I, yeah. It's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean... You look so you at had him had and McBurney up front, for example. I was going to say, we had Billy Sharp up front on Saturday, and you would, obviously, every football fan would say they'd rather have Zahar than Sharp in a, mm. in a, you know, in a straight battle. But it's different players, different systems, different... I, I completely agree. Would he get it? I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. So yeah, I think he'll uh, he'll probably still. Well, I don't know. Maybe he'll finally uh, move again this summer. What is it? Because I think Palace might go down, and that's a that's a place next season, possibly. So yeah. yeah. Well, he, I think even if he stays there, to be honest, they're not. Uh, they're just not a, not a great team. I don't think they'll be, they'll be absolutely fine this season. But um, yeah, it's 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 not a uh, a team that inspires much fear. It's I think. weird because I'm looking at the results now. I'm sort of. 99% confident that we're safe and before I was thinking well I hope Norwich lose and you know cause obviously keep them at the bottom now I'm thinking of teams next season like well they're rubbish let them stay up <laughs> <laughs> right we've, we've talked for half an hour and we've almost got to half time so um, right sorry yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's as much my fault as, as yours I think um, we've covered Syed as well so that's true yeah we, we've ticked a few things off uh, I mean Palace didn't really threaten that I thought we defended well in that first half you know we and, and we did throughout the entire game we talked about the back three uh later on as well probably the closest they came was Benteke almost got on the end of a cross Benteke is uh, uh, he's, he's like um, he's like McGoldrick if McGoldrick wasn't a good footballer you know in terms of just the uh, the sheer yeah. bad luck bad technique in front of goal um, I mean you need to move Benteke I, I don't think he's that good anyway but I think he desperately needs a move yeah uh, I was just trying to see what is like season by season stats so yes it's got 15 in 2016-17 and it's 3 in 31 1 in 16 naught in 16 since then not great um, oh and it's the Belgian Pro League by the way just to tick that off so I was, right. almost, I was almost right <laughs> really uninspiringly named uh, league um, so yeah we had we had zero shots in the first half I did think we improved in the second half that said Big question is how different is this game if uh, Vincent Geiter doesn't mm. chuck the ball into his own net to give us uh, give us the lead? Yeah. What do you What do you think? Do you reckon, Do you think the the game? Do you think we still go on and and look dangerous and try and, and you know have a good shot of winning the game, or is it completely different? It's really difficult to say because it were we were all. Well, I think that were our first. It wasn't even a shot, were it? I think that was the first sort of effort on target. I think we were winning one 0 with no shots on target. <laughs> but then I thought after that we we genuinely dominated, and we, it wouldn't have been beyond the realms of possibility to get another two or three. And it was yeah. weird how quick that changed. I, I think there were a, a, a cross near the about eighty minutes in where me, me, Bernie didn't quite get onto it, and went out for a corner. And I took my mate turned around to me and goes. 
bloody hell, it's like, is this the same team? You know, yeah. <laughs> we were just creating chances a lot. And I know they had to come out, which obviously left space, but we played that last half an hour superbly as an away team, I thought. We we really, really did. I mean, I said it already, zero shots in the first half. We had 10 in the second half. So they, they sort of, the balance of the game ended up being much more even. You know, Palace had 13 shots to our 10. The XG was almost even, uh, just under one for both teams. One big chance each. And that was, yeah, we basically just caught up in the second half. And as you, yeah, I, I think you've uh, you've really hit it there that, you know, we're just like a perfect 1-0 up kind of performance. And, yeah, we, we ended up having loads of really good chances after that goal, I thought. But, yeah, just to cover that one off, I mean, it wasn't our first corner of the game, was it? But, uh, yeah, we scored from a corner. This is probably not going to show up on the mm-hmm. <laughs> when we get the set-piece stats. But it turns out with Norwood, all he needed to do was basically go for goal rather than trying to aim for a United player's head. Um, did, did you sort of... Yeah, because I think, like like me, you watched this on a stream, didn't you? Did you yeah. kind of realise what had happened as it was happening with this goal, or, or what? No, I didn't, I, because obviously you can't really tell with the angle, and corner comes in, then all our players run off. And I, at first I thought, it's an handball, like, because I, I didn't really... I don't know, I just didn't compute that it could have been a goal. Mm. And then I'm like, get in, it were a weird one, you know? It were, it were a really... What about you? Did you sort of jump up, or was it a... Yeah, I was like, that's in, it's, it's over the line, surely. And then there seemed actually quite a long delay for... It did, yeah, and I, then I started thinking, oh, has there been a push? Here we go. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, basically Norwood just like swirls in this corner under. The, I don't even want to say under the bar. He, I mean, he catches it probably a yard out. I think when he when the ball hits the keeper's hands, and then mm. his momentum is carrying him back towards the goal because of the curve of the ball, and he just drops it over the line. I mean, unfortunately, yeah. I'd, I'd said on the last podcast what what a really good goalkeeper he was, and then I was pleased with. Uh, I don't know if you saw Hodgson's interview afterwards. He said uh, Gaita had like apologised to everyone, and Hodgson had said, "You you've got nothing to apologise for. You're a big reason why we are where we are. You've been mm. fantastic this season." Blah blah blah. So that was good from Hodgson. But I also felt yeah, good yeah, because it, he makes you know everyone makes him look yeah. at Edison, You know what I mean against Liverpool? They were only as bad as that, weren't it? Yeah, and it, it made me feel better as well after saying what a good goalkeeper he was. But yeah. <laughs> um, he, he did actually make some good saves after that as well. But yeah, it was uh, well, it was it was an inexplicable mistake it was a, a you know proper Sunday league error but yeah dropped over the line and then I, I sort of thought oh here we go it'll be as soon as the the replay comes up and you see how close Sharp is to the goalkeeper I was thinking oh no yeah. they're gonna find something here but and he, he's know. good at that Sharp isn't he? that little nudge and I thought oh here we go but yeah nothing wrong with it at all no I think he sort of put his arm on him but it was not a push or anything like that was it so I don't, I don't and think he didn't he... appeal in fairness Palace did they at all no I think they were probably just so shocked at how terrible a goal it was yeah, yeah. and the first we threatened as well and I've seen some vlogs after from Palace fans saying they've done nothing and normally you get angry but I can't complain you know we didn't we haven't done anything up until that point so we were I was saying after look we've been given the lead now let's that we have literally been given the lead, you know, we've not sort of really had to work too hard for that. So yeah. let's get this out of the way. But then I, I just wanted to sit in, basically, keep it tight. But after that, we've created two or three really good chances. We did, yeah. I'm just looking now. So up to the goal. So the first hour, we'd had uh, two shots in the entire game, and then we obviously had eight in the last uh, the last 30 minutes. We had that great... Moussa um, came on, uh, Lundstrom came on, uh, and I think it's Moussa and Stevens that link up, and then Stevens has that sort of outside of the left foot shot inside yeah. the box, which uh, Geiter makes a, a really good save of. I thought that was in all the way when he hit it, yeah. actually. Um, it was a good effort. Uh, we had a corner where Egan sort of 
kind of took it down and span on the spot and, and just oh, it was it was pretty close when it? it was like well, a foot I over the bar. That wasn't on match of the day or the sky highlights, or like the long sky highlights, and I'm not sure yeah. because I think that was probably the closest we came. The Egan shot, to be honest. Yeah, it was. It was a good chance. It was. It was hard, obviously. Um, yeah, it was a really good turn. It was like Shearer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If he smashes that, that in, yeah. that's a, a phenomenal, a phenomenal finish. Uh, have we got any stats on that? Let's have a look. Yeah, it's a, it was one of our, our better, our better chances. Apparently, the Stevens one was uh, was our highest XG chance. But then, yeah, I think that that uh, Egan one was the, the second best mm. that we created as well. Um, they, as you say, you know we. They did push forward a bit more, and Zahar was kind of uh, moving around the pitch a little bit. Um, Henderson made a good save when I think it was one of MacArthur or McCarthy coming yeah. in. Um, pretty comfortable save, but you know it, it, when it opened up, I thought this is going to uh, this is probably going to be the equaliser. But Henderson uh, kind of it guessed was, right. Yeah, it was a comfortable save, good save, comfortable save. I loved his little punch to the crowd again at the end. Yeah, that's becoming a little trademark, isn't it? Whenever he makes, I love it. It's whenever he makes a save that he thinks is a big save, like, <laughs> like not not necessarily like a technically amazing game, but like. You know, I've just I've just kept us in it by doing that. Essentially, yeah, it does cheer it a bit like a goal, don't I? If he <laughs> if he could, he'd run to the fans. I think every time he makes a save, <laughs> do like a Klinsman dive in front of the stand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, fairly comfortable. He's got to be there. Good positioning from him, but uh, yeah, I don't think I wasn't really heart in mouth that much. I don't think mm. one that did uh, did make me go, oh bloody hell, as it was unfolding. Uh, James Tompkins misses yeah. a header from about six seven yards. That was the uh, one point of the game where I thought that's in, and then it obviously just went wide. I did think that were in. Yeah, so I, I'm not. He didn't really get a very good contact on it at all, did he? If it, um, no. But yeah, come, cross comes in. Uh, Lundstrom challenges for it, but I don't think he actually touched it. And then Tompkins just completely misjudges his, his dive. Lundstrom got a lot of pats on the back after from the players, and I, he probably did enough to mm. make sure that he didn't get a clear view on the ball, Tompkins. Because I looked at that and I said he should have scored that. It, you know, there's no. I'd have been disappointed if we'd have missed that chance. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, I suppose Lundstrom did. He, he did enough to put him off. Is what you can. Yeah, you, you can say afterwards. Anyway, um, Stevens had another chance. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That, it should have done a lot better with that for me. <clears throat> it's hard. That is a hard skill. He kind of shinned it, didn't he? On the volley, yeah, yeah. I know he's he, coming at him in a, a difficult eye, and he's fast, but he had I time. Know. I thought. I thought he could have controlled it. Put up, yeah. Knocked yeah. It in. Um, there was another break as well where Moussa, I think we we almost had like three on one at one point, mm-hmm. and his, his pass just, I think it was just short for Fleck when it and I was fuming at that moment. I've got to admit, I mean, I do yeah. lose it sometimes at matches, and I think that were a bit harsh. I was like, Moussa, you idiot! <laughs> <laughs> because that, we were clean through, weren't we? We would have almost certainly scored. I think if Moussa had got a just an yeah. even a half decent pass on that. Yeah, uh, I yeah completely agree. So yeah, it, it, I mean that was that was the last action of the game. Palace did not have um, another another real moment after that. I mean that was practically an injury time. Yeah. And it, I have to say, I thought there was going to be. Oh, I've actually missed one incident, which we'll come back to in a sec. But I thought there was going to be about ten minutes of injury time, and there was only six. So I sat there going, yeah, yeah, because there was you know there's quite a lot of injuries. Um, did you see Moussa go down? And then I don't know if it was Lundstrom or Norwood. I think Norwood. Get up! <laughs> Pulled him to his feet, yeah. Um, yeah. Which presumably was like, we need this game to finish. Like, stop giving him a reason to add more time on. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, I've actually missed out one of the uh, more. Well, I don't know. I guess I, guess I missed it out because it didn't really make that much difference no. in the end. But um, it was Tompkins, wasn't it? They got sent he, off. 
Uh, no, no, sorry, John Ward. Uh, John Ward, yeah. Yeah. Uh, ball goes over to the left wing. Stevens controls it. Um, and Ward flies into him. And it looked a hefty tackle. I was a little bit surprised when the red card came out. But at the same time, not that surprised. And then they showed a replay, and I was even less surprised. I thought it was like harsh red card, but uh, I can see why he got sent off for that. Um, VAR advises the referee to have another look at it. Referee immediately changes his mind and uh, gets Ward back on and just gives me a yellow card instead. What, what do you think of that? I disagree with you a bit. I don't think I'd have been disappointed if we'd have had that against us. I don't think it was a straight red. I don't think it was. I think it was just a missed time tackle. Mm. Uh, I yeah. I, I was it any worse than that Billy Sharp one against Southampton? I'm not sure, but the one uh, the one he got sent off for. You yeah, mean, and, yeah, uh, it didn't get yeah. overturned. So there is. <laughs> One of those, isn't it? But I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it was. To be honest, I'd have been disappointed if we'd have had a man sent off for that. Mm, I just thought the way his uh, the way his foot comes up, and I, it's not totally clear if it makes contact with Stephen's shin or not. So, I mean, I, I sort of, I kind of both agree and disagree. Really, I'd have been disappointed if our player got sent off for that. But at the same time, I, I'm surprised that the referee looked at that and thought, "I've made an obvious mistake there. That is just a yellow card," rather than you know being like. Actually, you know, I'm, I'm going to stick with what I've given because it is a bit dangerous. But yeah, not uh, not not one that had a, a great effect on the rest of the game. I guess no, although no. maybe it would have done if they'd gone down to ten men. Um, but yeah, yet another strange VAR thing happening to us. Yeah, yeah. It took ages as well, didn't it? I mean, this is this is why I was thinking this game's not going to finish till like seven o'clock or something like that. It did. It did. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if it's just me but I always feel like our games finish about 10 minutes after everybody else <laughs> yeah <laughs> I I've done that for years actually it's, yeah it's it really does seem it. like that you look at the clock with your Bramall Lane it's like it's five past five what's going on yeah I get, just to be clear there I mean I said um, you know I said the referee changed his mind quickly but it took ages but it it was a while before he went over to the monitor and yeah. I think actually that's part of the reason why the Premier League didn't want the referees to use the monitors too much because they thought it was you know taking too much time out of the game but yeah. Anyway, that's uh, that's that one. Um, and yeah, that was uh, that was it. I felt it was pretty comfortable the rest of the way. Uh, another win, another away win. Thirty six points, sitting very pretty. Um, Got to talk about those the scenes at full time and the uh, the Sander Berger video of everybody singing at him. And have you ever seen a happier human being than Sander <laughs> Berger at that point? No, I don't think so. No, it was unbelievable. That I mean. Obviously, we did the Four Blades in a Pub podcast, and one of the nominations there for the Hall of Fame was the scenes at the end of mm. uh, every game uh, under Wilder when we win. And I think that's probably top lot on it, maybe. It was nice. There's a, there's a couple of great photos in there. There's one of him stood with his like arms outstretched, which someone's uh, yeah. cleverly titled Sander the Redeemer. And then there's, yeah. there's I think there's another one where he's just clapping, and you can see in the background Neil and uh, Neil and Wilder are just stood next to each other, like proud parents with like a grin on their face, yeah. like, seeing him just soak it up. But it looked absolutely made up, didn't it? I mean, I, you know, he was a fan favourite at Genk as well. He's obviously come through um, come through there at a young age and been really popular. So I thought that it's was interesting. Yeah. All the I don't know if you've seen on Twitter a lot of like fans like from abroad and stuff, and have mm. said this is an amazing, this is an amazing scene, you know. And it really has seemed to have gone global. Just that. So I think it's a, people. It's a bit of a cliche and a bit romanticised, but people are saying that's what football should be about. It's a a team or a, or a player and a group of fans proper together and proper united. And difficult in this era as well to get get every. Fa- I mean, you know, I do the view from every week, and ninety percent of fans are unhappy. 
with what's happening at the club. So yeah. it, I think that just sort of sums up how happy we've got a new signing, 25 million or whatever he cost. Sticks in the league, you know, after years of absolute rubbish. And it just all seemed to come together in that moment. I thought, how oh, where the club seems to be going. Yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, like I said, I was, you know, almost got a bit emotional watching it. It must have been amazing to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was just, uh, you know, I think I think when you sign, like when I mean, you make a massive record signing, you're almost, I don't know, you're almost hoping that they'll they'll pay off and be you know be a part of the team. You, know, you kind of wonder if they're going to be like, oh, you know, I'm a bit I'm a bit big for this this team, yeah, that kind of, course, of thing. Yeah. And yeah, he just it was almost like a youth player given his first ever professional appearance or something yeah, like that, yeah, and everyone that's, adored that's him. That's a good analogy, actually. That yeah, that's what exactly what it was like. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely to see. Right. Um, let's. Do you want to pick out uh, a couple of other standout individuals from this game? Where, where would you like to start? You've got to have Bash, aren't you? I think with his. I think he looked like Ice Tea. With his. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's like. He's whatever it was. His woolly hat on that he put on. Uh, my. Uh, well, <laughs> I watched it with my friend, actually. And his, uh, his wife came in halfway through. She'd been out with kids. And she goes. Is it cold? He's wearing a woolly hat. Should we like in deadly serious as well? Like they can't get away with woolly hats at this level. What are you talking about? Because what's he doing? There was his had his head cut open. Yeah, that was great. The uh, yeah, the, the Basham turban, such as it looked. Uh, I think yeah. it's, it, it looked weirder because it wasn't white. You're sort of used to the Terry Butcher like yeah, bandage, yeah. Bandage and it went all the way it. up his head and his little bit of hair like a bobble hat. I thought top yeah. as well. Like you've just amazing. Yeah, and then about thirty seconds after he had it done, he won an header, which were yes, <laughs> just about to say that. Yeah, because that almost like happened in slow motion. You could almost hear everyone going like, "Go on, Bash, go on!" Just yeah, absolutely uh, sticks a bonce on it and heads it away. I mean. He got a bit injured in the first half, didn't he? I think he had a cut leg as well as a cut head. Um, yeah. Because yeah, when he went down, I think he, he sort of went down making a, making a bit of a tackle on a to block a shot. And I'm suddenly thinking like, oh, we've you know we've signed uh, Retzos ostensibly yeah, yeah, as yeah. Uh, ostensibly as you know to try and fill in or possibly replace Basham. And like crap, we're going to need him immediately because uh, suddenly Basham's injured. But he fought yeah. through it. The indestructible Chris Basham and. Yeah, it was it was another really solid I defensive performance. I thought those three at the back again were absolutely phenomenal. John Egan was immense. I mean, yeah, he mentioned uh, Four Blades in the pub, and a shout out to those guys. And thanks, thanks a lot for um, having us the other yeah, day. Yeah, I really we, enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great to uh, great to meet them all, and uh, yeah, really uh, really good chat about the season so far. And one of the things that we went through was like pick our uh, you know dot 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 of the season so far, and. The conversation with, about our defenders, I thought, was was very um, uh, very interesting. I guess. I mean, it's hard to it's hard it's hard to pick out the standout. If you just look at that back three, it's hard to pick out the standout one. I mean, I think you and I both went for O'Connell just because of his like just consistency. sheer con- consistency. Yeah. Whereas I think Basham and Egan have had have had downs as well as ups. But I would also argue that their ups, their their best yeah. performances. <laughs> Are far and away some of the best performances out of the entire team and and this Egan showing was massive he was just a, you know a brick wall basically had the most it might clearances be the game. yeah definitely it's just on the end of everything um most clearances most headed clearances three out of four aerials won most for United uh three interceptions the most for United one block as well and if you look at like the the impact point of all those clearances they're all in the penalty area you know it's all in Sticking his head, sticking his boot on it, getting it away, it was it was huge, and yeah, that's 
that's the kind I just of thing find that... It incredible that when we signed him, you know, four million is nothing, is it? Now compared to what he's worth. And I, I know Brentford fans are not the most reliable source of uh, <laughs> after what they said about O'Connell and Egan when we signed him. But they were saying like he's never going to cope in the Premier League because he's too slow. And mm. I do think a lot of our fans possibly had that fear that oh, he's good, he's really, really good, but is he a top championship defender? Well, he's got to be one of the most consistent and best defenders this season in the Premier League. He's been excellent, yeah. Like I said, there's been a couple of games. The West Ham one was the yeah. one I thought he, he struggled in. Uh, kind of inexplicably, really. You know, there wasn't... I don't even think he was particularly going up against Haller in that game. He just he just made some mistakes. Um, uh, what was it? And that, that's why everything happened. You know, everyone's going to have a bad game this season. I'm not... Yeah. Certainly not. So, I mean, it's interesting when we did the... Uh, who were the best defender on the Four Blades thing and... I think there were six of us there, and we mentioned all six of the normal back line. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yes. they've been. Everyone is in with a shout for that, I think. Indeed. Um, and one of those that came into that conversation, not technically a defender, but uh, goalkeeper Dean Henderson, yeah. that was his ninth clean sheet of the season, the, the joint most in the leagues, obviously. Um, Allison missed a few games for Liverpool, so that's been shared around a little I've bit. I've seen that. Like, the United fans have tweeted, United uh, official account have tweeted, nine clean sheets, no one's got more. And there's a couple of Liverpool fans, yeah, but Allison's played less games. Shut up. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? You're going to win the league, chill out. You want to win everything. <laughs> yeah, you're under 23s are through to the quarterfinals today, <laughs> or whatever, the, the round before the quarterfinals. Um, so, yeah, Henderson, I thought, I thought this was a game where you see why he's such a good goalkeeper in a funny way not in that he had loads of saves to make but there were just times where he and this is where I think you probably get a better picture on a stream almost than being at the match but there were times when he just read the situation so early and so quickly and you know there's one in the first half where it's like a long ball over the top and I thought he'd come charging out and I thought he's going to head this please god head it out of play or head it to a United player and instead, he just let it bounce, let it run past him, jogged back, picked it up in the box. And it you know, it, yeah. it didn't even look that difficult in the end. But and I'm not a professional goalkeeper. I'm not even an unprofessional goalkeeper. <laughs> but but I was thinking, <clears throat> crap, he's going to have to head this. You know, he needs to make a decision now. And he just so calmly did that. There were a couple in the second half as well where it was like a long ball into our box. And as soon as it was kicked, he's off. Like, it was so, he was so ready for the long ball. And just you know that that I think is just incredibly valuable goalkeeping because you stop a situation arising where you actually need to make a save. And I so think you, you you obviously I've watched a few Premier League games this season with Pickford and uh, even Pope and Heat and I, I, I'm probably being biased, but I think he's been the best English goalkeeper this season, and I think he's got to get a cap in these friendly games coming up. Yeah, I think so. I so, saw uh, what was it? Might have been on Saturday Night Football or something. Matt Murray was. Uh, in the studio, they were like, right, we're going to put you on the spot. Who's who's the best English goalkeeper? And he just gave the most woolly, rubbish answer I've ever heard. He just basically named every English goalkeeper. And then was like, <laughs> but, you know, Pickford's the man at the moment. <laughs> so that's rubbish, Matt. Come on. Yeah. Give I, mean, well, I understand if Southgate's picked Pickford for the Euros, he's been there, you know, he's, he's got experience of a tournament, he knows the defence, blah, 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 whatever. But there's no way he's been better than Henderson this season. Yeah, I, I sort of feel it would be a bit mad to uh, suddenly abandon Pickford for a new goalkeeper. Yeah, this is uh, what I mean. I can understand why. He, yeah, I can understand why he picked Pickford, but he's not been as good as Henderson. It's a weird one, isn't it? <laughs> Hen- yeah, Henderson. Excuse me, Henderson should be seen as the next man up, I think, and, and should be integrated into the squad. Uh, yeah, already, and it should happen very soon. Um, <clears throat> who else to talk about? Oh, uh, Luka Milivojevic. I, I, I can't let this go unmentioned. You know, for all the talk about the bullying and stuff like that, I think 
that is the most egregious example this season of like the classic chasing the ref, asking for cards with every every foul all the way through the game. I just it's yeah, I just ended up swearing at my screen basically. I just thought, you idiot, will you just bog off? <laughs> It's the, the polite version of what I said. Well, there were champions um, of all of his dives, you know, where when Billy Sharp sort of hit him in the chest. Yeah. And he went down holding his head. And and I'm thinking, this goes back to the Syed, what's his name, Matthew Syed. Matthew Syed, yeah. Syed's uh, comments about, you know, uh, cheating. He genuinely did say it was cheating. Well, that's why I know he's not watched the match, because there's two bits of genuine <laughs> cheating there that's not even being talked about. And why? Why do it? We have VAR. What are you trying to achieve? Like... Really annoyed me because you can't. You can only VAR can only obviously overturn that decision, can't they? Or, or make a decision on what's being looked at. It'd been brilliant if he'd have like yellow card out and booked, you know, Tompkins for diving. So I don't think he'd have done it again ever. <laughs> oh, that would be nice to see, but um, <clears throat> unfortunately, it did not happen. But yeah, Milivojevic, I just thought, settle down, mate. And then uh, I, I can't remember where I saw this, but he's. Um, I think he's like in the top ten for most fouls committed this season himself. So they yeah. surround the ref a lot, Paul. Yeah, I was not really just surprised. Yeah, they they do it all the time. Um, so it's clearly a tactic. It's clearly something they've been told to do. You know, because otherwise, Rodgers would have said, you know, stop surrounding the ref. They they do definitely try and, fully enough, try and bully the ref, which is mm. uh, <laughs> quite ironic, given like obviously we're supposed to be the bullies in this instance. But yeah. I, I don't like him as a team. I'm gonna have to, I've got to admit, I really don't like him as a team. That's the first time we've won there in a in a while, I think. Um, yeah, I've I've been like I think I've been five or six times, and I've never seen us win there. And generally, had a pretty miserable day all around. So yeah, yeah uh, they're not a team I have any sort of like. Oh, I don't like. It's, to be fair, it's not the club. But it's not even the manager. It's not the fans or anything like that. Just that team they've got surrounding the ref and the faking and the diving and the moaning. And I was just like, oh. You'd want to expect you expect that sort of stuff from the big big sides. That's what the the cliche Premier League, you know, moaning foreigners and all this sort of stuff. But yeah, I thought Palace were worse than a lot, and they probably got more of an English spine than any team other than us. Yes, agreed. All right, let's let's give out our uh, Demblades alternative man of the match then, because there's quite a few uh, there's quite a few good good nominees this week. I mm. think uh, up for grabs. This is brought to you by the Demblades fanzine. Uh, it's just like the fanzine tries to. I guess pick out a few unsung heroes that are making a making an impact on United's past, present, and future. I suppose so. Yeah, I think I think it's probably Egan was the actual man of the match. Maybe yeah. Stevens as well. Actually, it was a good shout by you. Um, but yeah, let's let's pick out a, an unsung hero from this one. Who do, who do you want to put forward? My first one was going to be the commentator on the stream for doing the penalty shout. But I can't remember his name, and I can't find his name, so I can't give it him. <laughs> Do you want to just uh, explain what that was? Because I, yeah. I imagine that's not made the Sky highlights. Yeah, this was just incredible. It does make the long highlights, actually, on the off-tower oh, ones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the, the ball's going over the top. Uh, there's, like, a bit of a sort of a cross goes in, goes out. It bounces off someone. Palace appeal for a corner. We appeal for a goal kick. The referee points to a goal kick. The commentator right now goes, oh, oh, it's a penalty. It's like, and then he goes, oh, no, it's not. And then God, Don Goodman's <laughs> laughing his head off, so you're getting a bit excited, aren't you? <laughs> I, just, I, just, I would, like, put my head down, because I, I, I saw Baldock clapping, and I thought, oh, yeah, it's, it's gone our way. Oh, it's a penalty. Well, I put my head up. What? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, he goes, oh, no, it's not. <laughs> I always fell off my chair. I just thought, like, what, what did he think might have 
led to it being a penalty. I just couldn't get my head around it. I mean, honestly, I'm laughing out loud. I kept, I've got it as like a, a little gift now myself. And I keep sending it to people. Like when people yeah. say something wrong, oh, it's a penalty. No, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but my real, my, my real say about the match is the United social media team uh, who just get better and better and better, I think, like, as the season mm. goes on. They were good last season, but the bold up bullying tweet after what Syed had said, the many, many, many angles of Berg's ovation, the behind-the-scenes Berg video, McBurney yesterday, uh, where obviously Reading beat Cardiff. Cardiff's got beef with McBurney, so they put a massive picture of McBurney up saying, <laughs> so it's Reading in the next <laughs> round. I just think they're getting it spot on. If they, if they, whoever runs it, whoever involved in it, if you are listening... I think every one of us have really, really enjoyed it at the moment. It's proper. It's not cringeworthy or anything like that. Like it can be when, you know, people are trying to be funny on the social mm. media side of things. And I just think they get better and better. And the content is amazing. Yeah, I, you've. Uh, I think that's such a good point you made there. I think it's uh, it's Owen Doyle. I think. Uh, I thought. Yeah, I was going to say that, but I wasn't sure. Not so the Chesterfield striker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, and oh, I can't remember his name, but the chap who does the video, all the video edits and stuff as well, absolutely top work. But I think, yeah, the key point is it's it's not, you know, sometimes you see like uh, club social media trying to be like funny and really you know, full of banter and stuff, and it, it can be proper cringe. And you just think like, just settle down. But the thing, yeah, I always find it's it's not just it's not just like the extra access they're giving us to like you know the post match stuff, the training ground. Little things like uh, you know Fleck leaving uh, leaving Shirecliff and, and saying you know I yeah. thought you were being sold that kind of thing. It's it's that they're like they're so plugged in to what the fans are talking about yeah. or what like the storylines are that yeah, like you say with the bulldog bullying thing, it's it's not just like a you know lowest common denominator type stuff. It is actually really really on the button so and it's yeah, not just it's, uh, like how dare you slag us off it doesn't come across as bitter it mm. comes across as completely tongue-in-cheek same with mcburney they didn't put you know ah cardiff didn't get through uh mcburney's laughing it was just a it was so oblating what they were they were doing but they did it in a, in a really classic like sort of sarcastic way yeah no it is quality all right i think um I do want to mention uh, George Baldock again, I think, uh, as a nominee for this. I think not only the fact he managed not to get sent off, didn't commit another foul after that one that he should have been sent off, is a good, you know, a great effort going up against Sahar. Although, yeah, I'm really not sure why they moved him away from Baldock, actually, in particularly in the second half. But um, <laughs> there's one particular moment that definitely needs these calling out. I think we need to invent a term for this, but essentially tackled the ball with his rear end it was a, a, a butt tackle basically just dived backside first onto the ball with i think zahar was on the ball as well wasn't he um yeah sat, sat on it got up dribbled past three players got fouled himself won a free kick on the edge of the area fantastic i love it so finally it george took a while, bulldog but... i think match of the day called him after that <laughs> very good um he finally figured out how to tackle zahar and that was with his uh his butt, <laughs> butt cheeks good effort um I think probably uh, I mean, I'd shout out like Paul Mitchell and uh, United's recruitment team as well for uh, the the brilliant effort at the end of last week in uh, getting those deals over the line. I mean, the most important thing, of course, is making us not look any more stupid by having us talk about players that we then didn't end up signing. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I called that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mousse, I thought, was uh, worthy of a mention off the bench. He looked very sharp again. But my, my actual nomination um, uh, is another player who came off the bench. John Lundstrom, I thought, was excellent. He's been 
pretty below par for I think a month or so through you know four or five yeah, games. Yeah. Little injury, obviously. He'd been displaced by Besic, and then he's been displaced even further by uh, by Berger, who's obviously been been earmarked to to play in that position for the rest of the season. So he's gone from being arguably our player of the season for the first three or four months to third choice in his own position in the space of about three weeks, yeah. which has got to sting a bit, I would imagine. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you, you've hit a new height in your career that you've, you know, you probably, I don't know, maybe maybe he's uh, confident enough to think that he was always going to get to this level, but, you know, not not many fans did. No, certainly not as quick, I don't think. He probably didn't expect it after last season. I think yeah. He, he himself said that he thought we were going to get released or transfer listed. Right, okay. Um, but he came on and he was absolutely brilliant. He was, uh, you know, it was kind of peak Lundstrom from other stages of the yeah. season. And it was it was a good situation to come on in. You know, we needed someone with a bit of energy uh, to get tackles in, to get up and down, to, to, you know, dribble the ball out of danger, find a player on the counter-attack. I was really, really impressed with him. And as I said, I, I think that, you know, we had a little bit of muck thrown at him from certain sections, I guess, with this, you know, contract thing going on and the stupid rumours about how he's asked for... God knows how many tens of thousands a week, which I think are completely unfounded and really unfair that those are kind of getting bandied about at the moment. So, yeah, I thought that was uh, a good job by him as, um, you know, just, just showing his commitment and professionalism and, and hopefully, you know, trying to trying to get back in the team, I suppose. I mean, yeah, you've got to figure he's, he's probably not going to start many games now for the rest of the season unless someone gets injured, I suppose. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I thought it was quite quite notable that he was chosen ahead of Bessic, who wasn't even on the bench despite being excellent in the last few games. Well, this is the, a lot of people when the team came out, they were saying, "Why is Bessic not on the bench?" And I think I tweet uh, message you. I think I just think there's no point having Lundstrom and Bessic on the bench. Personally, I just don't see yeah. they, they do the same role. Uh, and I think one of them is going to have to drop out. I mean, Freeman gives you that attacking quality, you know, the the creative stuff. Ben Osborne's a left-hand, left-sided player. We had one striker on the bench due to injury, so obviously, you know, that, that would have to be uh, Moussa. And then you've got your defender in uh, defenders in Robinson and Jagielka, so it's, it's difficult. I don't see the point of having both Lundstrom and Bessic on the bench, personally. Yeah, agree. I just thought it was interesting that Lundstrom got the nod ahead of Bessic, yeah, but yeah. maybe it's just uh, he's our player anyway, whereas Bessic uh, may not be at yeah. the end of the season. So, yeah, but... Um, I'm with you. The, uh, the 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 long-standing effort of United's social media team is uh, yeah. yeah just just gone. I, I think it just goes to new levels every other week. To be it honest, does. I mean, it does. It, yeah, the stuff around uh, you know announcing the transfers last week, and then yeah, the the burger stuff at the game, and then yeah, the the bullying thing as well. It's a great effort. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with your nomination, mate. The United social media team are this week's alternative man of the match. Brought to you by the Denblades fanzine. You can get every edition of the fanzine for this year uh, delivered to your door with the 2020 season tickets, four issues, plus stickers and badges. It's absolutely fantastic. The next issue comes out in March, I think, and has mm. big interview with Michael Doyle and Neil Collins, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, you can pick it up at denblades.co.uk, so do go and check it out. Um, FA Cup, the one advantage of uh, recording this on a Wednesday instead of a Tuesday, as we now know who we're playing in the next round. And uh, despite... Uh, Cardiff fans as uh, proclamations that they were coming for <laughs> Ollie McBurney, who probably wouldn't have played anyway. To be fair, they uh, they blew a two goal lead and uh, lost on penalties to Reading. So yeah, Reading host United in the fifth round of the FA Cup. Um, I think that's that's the one I wanted out of those two. I think in yeah, terms I of, I think the the least potential to be 
a bit spicy in terms of like our players getting kicked up in the air and I don't know. I mean, I, I think uh, with all due respect to Reading, I think that's basically all they've got to play for this season now. Yeah, it seems, pro- yeah. seems probably true of Cardiff, to be honest. But I don't know. I don't, Cardiff, just... Harris has got a good record against um, Wilder as well, which which was in my mind. I think he's beaten hmm. well two, twice. I think we've only. I think Wilder's only beaten once or maybe twice as a manager, which is unlike you know compared to hmm. Reading. We've played Reading four times since Wilder's come in. We've won all four. Um, so there's obviously a happier hunting ground there. We've got a lot of the same players and stuff. I don't think the atmosphere will be as good. Um, they're not as raucous, are they, as Cardiff fans and stuff like that. They're having an up-and-down season. They're, they're a bit flaky, aren't they? I mean, obviously you'll know more than I do with your uh, other half being a Reading fan, but they do seem a little bit flaky and a bit mid-table-ish, don't they, this season? Yeah, very mid-table. I mean, they spent some money uh, on the previous transfer, um, which which was a bit random because I think they were under like a soft embargo or something at the time. But uh, yeah, they seem to have uh, that's pushed them up the league a bit. I think they're they're okay. They're like they are a mid-table championship team. But yeah, I think the big thing for me is I can't imagine there'll be that many fans there for Reading. Whereas I could see Cardiff against United, particularly with the McBurney factor being like you know twenty odd thousand or something yeah. like that. And, and, and particularly if McBurney played, that would be like a red rag to them. I think they would be like really up for it. Whereas, yeah, you know, United v Reading is um, it's just a bland fixture, isn't it? And, well, I'm uh, just looking at their views now, actually, on it. Um, I've not gone them before, but they're saying they presume that we're going to play a weakened side. Uh, they're saying like because uh, you know they're trying to get into Europe in the league, they're not going to concentrate on the cup. So I think we've got a great chance. We should put our first team out. We've got nothing else to play for. I disagree. I think we'll probably put a really strong team out against them, to be honest. I I think we have to now. This yeah. is a this is an unbelievable chance to um, yeah really go far in the FA Cup. I mean, just have a mm. look at that. Uh, it comes in the middle of a little bit of a gap, I think, doesn't it? So yeah, it does. Yeah, we've got two weeks off, haven't we? Because the Villa game has been postponed because they're in the Carling Cup final. Yeah. So yeah, we play Brighton on the twenty second. Carling Cup is that? <laughs> Did I get that completely I'm wrong? I'm sure what? it's not a call. I'm sure that were like 1994 <laughs> or something like that. I could be wrong. Look, hang on. No, it's like the EFL Cup or something. It's the EFL Cup. Yeah. Oh, no, wait. It's, sorry. It's, uh, <laughs> it's the energy drink. Carabao Cup. The Carabao. That's the one. That is the one. Show, yeah. Shows you how little attention I've paid to that yeah. one in the last couple of years. <laughs> oh, shocking. Old man moment. Um, yeah, Brighton on the 22nd and then Reading on the 5th. So that's like a two-week gap. Um, and we have got Norwich at home. Oh, God, only two days later, actually. That's weird. I thought there'd be a bigger mm. gap there. So what's that, Wednesday? Is that right? Yeah, so... Is that Wednesday, the fifth? I don't know if it's a Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't think it's been announced yet, has it, when the game's actually going to be? Google have got it as a Thursday? That's what? Can't right. That can't be right. That... No, that can't be right. Because we're playing Norwich on the Saturday. And Norwich are in the FA Cup quarterfinal, uh, fifth round as well, so... Yeah, I'm just... Sorry, I've got my mask. Which is good, to be fair. I'm glad that they're in the fifth round because they don't get an extra break or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, okay, the date for the fixture will be confirmed according to you. Yeah. You know, so I don't know why they've gone with the fifth. That's right. But anyway, the, the point is, we will have had a nice big break. Uh, we will be... I mean, we are safe, essentially. It's not like we've got, uh, I don't know, Wednesday away, the game after, or anything like that. I think I think we should prioritise winning that game, get to the quarterfinals, and then see what happens. I mean... Yeah, it's. I don't know. I don't know what's more likely. Finishing in the top six is probably more likely than winning the FA Cup. But at yeah. the same time, 
Same time, you never know. I'm excited for be... it. And this is someone who at the beginning of the season was saying, just get Cup out of way, I'm not bothered about it. Now the way yeah. things have gone and the way it's opened up as well, I'm really excited about that game. Um, I yeah. really think we've got a great chance of getting through. And I think we'll play a strong side. And I don't think they're as good as Millwall, so I don't see any reason why we don't go through. Yeah, and hopefully the pitch is slightly better as well. Yeah. <laughs> just going on a bit of a tangent from that, because I put Sheffield into Reading, uh, the Reading Forum just now. And uh, the first thing, they're playing Wednesday in a couple of weeks and it's £30 a ticket, which they're not happy about. Oh, no, I think it's more mm. than that, actually. It but, is, yeah. Yeah, one of them said, uh, we'll just have to squint, uh, yeah, we'll just have to squint and imagine we're watching Chris Waddle and his dodgy barnet gliding gracefully across the Hillsborough pitch, just like the own fans have been doing for the last 20-plus years, because <laughs> that and the ticket prices are the closest they will ever get to the Premier League. So <laughs> it's, like, it's like United fan had wrote it. <laughs> yes, indeed. No, uh, yeah, my missus was telling me about that is... It's something like thirty six quid, I think. Yeah, they're in the not happy about it. Anyway, they're, they're not happy yeah. about those prices whatsoever. Do you have to pay for a not uh, to four year olds? You also have to buy a ticket for apparently. Even so, yeah. Even really? oh, she wasn't gonna, she wasn't gonna take the little one. But uh... it's madness, isn't it? It really <laughs> is. Like rivalry aside and stuff, it's it's outrageous, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I don't know if that's that. I don't know if United have a similar policy. To be fair, just to, yeah. to I haven't looked into it. It just it's just struck me as uh, wrong, unusual when, especially when you know someone's like two months old doesn't actually need a seat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably isn't going to remember much of the experience either. But on the, the the happy side effect of that is that her first football game isn't at Hillsborough, so that is good. We'll that is space. good. Yeah, you're not tempted yes. to go yourself then. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no thank you I don't want to go there ever to be honest never mind to watch a team that I don't actually support so no yeah. sorry man for the cup game oh sorry I thought you meant Hillsborough no, uh, no sorry the cup I, game sorry I think if it was on a Saturday maybe but nah, that's midweek yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's going to be a tough one I don't know if it'll be a Saturday I can't see it being a sellout to be fair but yeah I'm fairly confident definitely yeah same and uh, yeah fingers crossed because uh Give me a quarter-final against... Newcastle know. at home. I don't know if I want to play Newcastle. Voodoo ever. team. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow managed to get through again last night despite almost blowing it. Yeah. Right, let's, let's talk about... Um, just before we get to Bournemouth, uh, I wanted to I wanted to just give a mention to Jake Wright, who was released after we'd finished recording on uh, Thursday or Friday, whenever it was last week. Um, on Friday, wasn't it? On transfer yeah. deadline day. Um an under, I think at this point, an underrated player for us. I mean, you know, not in terms of people think he wasn't good or anything like that, but I think maybe people don't quite remember how important yeah. he was. And you know, without you know, without Jake Wright, maybe we don't get promoted that season, or maybe we're you know not as it doesn't come together quite in the same way as it has done. And we, <clears throat> excuse me, we don't um, you know build the foundations of this system that we have now and. You know, a bit of a, a butterfly effect all the way along. So yeah, I, to... I thought I thought he was yeah. really not League One season in particular. I thought he was as good as anyone that season. Uh, every game he played, I thought. Well, obviously we didn't lose with him in the team for about two million games or whatever it was. I don't know. I thought <laughs> the real stats with that, but it's not a coincidence. I, I love watching him play because I used to play defence when I was playing football. So I'm a bit more inclined to sort of uh, relate to defenders and stuff and I just loved how he, he never seemed to run he never seemed you know mm. out of place he was always really calm he wasn't the best passer or anything but I just thought he was a really good solid pro and you know it really a, a proper unsung hero in these last like in the in the first two years that of, of Wilder's reign <clears throat> definitely he was um, I guess he was the prototype of what uh, sorry 
<coughs> got something in my throat. Um, it was a prototype of why we've signed John Egan, basically. Yeah. You know, the the, the centrepiece of the whole overlapping centre-backs thing. You know, the, the cover defender, the one that stays back, that kind of knows his limitations. I mean, Egan is obviously, a, uh, I guess, a technical upgrade on him as well as, yeah. you know, sort of from a defensive point of view, but obviously it costs four million, whereas uh, Wright was like a... I don't know. Was he a free? I think he was out of contract. Out of contract wasn't he, when we signed him? And I'm surprised no one snapped him up. Um, he's, he's still without a club energy right at the moment. So whether his yeah. issues have caught up with him or he's just getting on a bit too much for people to take a risk. But I'd advise anyone champ, lower championship teams and, and League One to snap him up. Yeah, I mean, look, when we signed him, he was what twenty, maybe twenty nine. He's thirty three now. Yeah. Signed him in July twenty sixteen. So yeah, he was he was very much in his prime. He made fifty two appearances for us in all competitions. 30 games he played for us in League One in which we lost not one single time. Um, and in fact, we only lost three of the games that he started. I looked this one up and they were all in the championships. Norwich at home, Fulham at home and Barnsley away. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he'll, he'll always be a part of that history. He played on Bouncing Day, of course. Um, you know, so... You know, in, in 40 years or whatever, when we look back on that game and, you know, you try and remember what the team was... He were there. He were right in the centre of our defence. Um, yeah, big part of the team that day. Big part again is where we were. And uh, yeah, I think I think kind of because he's not been involved in the first team for a long time now. Probably what uh, I, I don't think he played at all last season. No, he, did he? Two and, seasons solid now. I don't even think he played in the cup games as a last season. No, mm-hmm. I mean I saw him against Leicester the season before in the cup. But yeah, yeah, I almost think because he's he's not been a part of anything. I think people maybe forget. I don't know. Maybe, maybe everyone actually remembers it perfectly, but I think maybe it's underplayed a little bit how important he was, mm-hmm. and you know the fact he's kind of left without much fanfare, I suppose. Not that we've you know booted him out of the door no, or anything no, like that, no. but yeah. So I, I yeah, definitely want to mention also that we obviously Ricky Holmes was spotted, weren't I? <laughs> he was, yeah. People worried, that, you know, he, where he, he, he was dead or something, but yeah, he's still around. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think on, on Jake Wright, I, I can't words. I can't give enough words out to him. I really enjoy watching him play. I feel like we're massively important in League One. You know, and good luck to him. I think he'll go into coaching from what I can gather, uh, what he's like as a as a player, like a, as a captain and stuff like that. So good luck mm. to him. Yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's always a, a little bit a little bit of sadness when another of that uh, League One team yeah. passes out the door. I mean, who, who's still here? Obviously, O'Connell, Basham, Sharp, uh, right. Simon Moore, Leon, Flex. So a lot of it's still here. But then, yeah, Coots, Duffy, um, yeah, Jake Wright's on his way now. Kieran Freeman's still here, yeah. I suppose, isn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. Still there, yeah, of course. Um, who was the other one who Matt Down obviously left a couple of seasons ago and stuff. So, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's strange actually how many. Are, well, maybe it's not strange. It's it's notable how many are still here. But yeah, Jay mm. Wright, hats off to you. I hope you uh, I hope you find yourself playing professional football again very very soon. And mm. thank thanks for uh, thanks for everything you did for us. Yeah. Like I say, big part of the uh, the start of the journey where we are right now. Yeah, right, Bournemouth. Coming up this weekend, uh, first home game for a little while, it feels like. Man City was the last one, then we had FA Cup, then we've been away. Yeah. And then we're going to be at home again on Sunday um, in high winds. That's if the game goes ahead. Yeah, there's a lot of rumours that the game might not go ahead because of the winds, but I'll be surprised, especially with it being on TV as well. Oh, yes, good point, actually. Um, this this is do-or-die month for Bournemouth, I think, and they they have uh, they chose do last week with uh, with beating Villa. 
Um, but yeah. they've been in they've been in a real mess. It's, it's not amazing like... what, what one win does because I went on their board uh, just before I did this pod just to see uh, what they were saying. And this I've only got one quote really, but it sums it up. I don't see why we can get eight out eight, uh, eight or nine points out of the next few games if we continue the form of our last two games. The only game I think we have no chance in is Liverpool. Even Man City are looking brittle. So it's amazing, isn't it? One win against Villa at home, and mm. all of a sudden they can beat Man City. So. Yeah. <laughs> and no, the, two, the, the, the form of the last two games is the win against Villa and then the win over Luton in the cup, which, you know, come on. <laughs> well, they, I, I forgot this, actually. They did beat Brighton on the 21st. So they won their last two home games in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, coming up... Um, I mean, we said this a month ago. If they're still in the bottom three at the end of February, then they really are in a mess. Because, yeah, they've got us, then they've got Burnley. Then it goes Chelsea, Liverpool. All right, Palace is winnable. Wolves. Mm. And then uh, Newcastle. Let's not talk about that. Man U, Spurs, Leicester, Man City is their next run. So, yeah, they they really need something out of this game. They're not uh, an atrocious team, but they are also quite bad. They're definitely a lower kind of quarter third of the t- of the table kind of team yeah they look a bit um, all over the place don't I mean I, I didn't watch him against Bill I've only seen the highlights but I saw him against Watford which was the last time mm-hmm. and I thought they looked really poor in that and a little bit rudderless but obviously these these wins that they have picked up I probably will give them confidence so I don't think it'll be as easy as it would have been a couple of weeks ago yeah and it's, it's probably worth pointing out the teams they've beaten are teams that are right at the bottom mm. as well you know Brighton are really struggling Villa are right on the cusp as well um, Jefferson Lerma is suspended for this one which is a, a nice little boost for us uh, return of Aaron Ramsdale his first first appearance back at Bramall Lane I believe I assume he'll be playing yeah. so he's not injured is he I don't think no he played didn't he because he should have well arguably should have been sent yeah, off against Villa for punching someone in the face by accident <laughs> oh right I missed I, that I yeah there was just a bouncing ball that he came out completely and he's just I think it were Engels and he just like sort of knocked him clean out <laughs> with a punch <laughs> uh, but yeah a lot of Villa fans said he should have been sent off for it but he wasn't so yeah, um, I'm interested to see if they play a back three again. I don't know if you remember, right back to the first game of the season. Yeah, uh, they they rocked up with a back three to try and counter the way that we play. It was moderately successful. Yeah. Um, they've barely done it uh, the rest of the way. Um, 182 minutes in a back three this season. Obviously, ninety that was against us. So yeah, yeah, curious well, to know only, if they they've only kept two clean sheets in the last sixteen which is mm. pretty appalling. So I'll be disappointed if we don't score. Um, but obviously Nathan Ake's back, who's been out for a while for him, and they're getting a few injuries back. I think Josh King's back, isn't he, as well? Mm. Uh, Callum Wilson's had a shot. <laughs> which he <laughs> hadn't done from, like, I think, was it 7th of November to like, the beginning of January? Target, yeah. Yeah, so I think it'll be more difficult. And obviously the conditions, you don't know what's going to happen. But... I don't know. Maybe I'm. I, I might be completely wrong with this, but I get if the conditions are pretty bad. I do think we've probably got more bite about us, haven't we? And a bit more fight than than Bournemouth have. Um, so hopefully, even if the conditions are bad, you know our toughness mentally and physically will get us through it. Yeah, hopefully uh, they do face a lot of shots. Uh, the fourth most shots against them per game in the league of fifteen point three. Um, so yeah, it's not. It's not a. a Good defence, as you mentioned, hardly any clean sheets. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm optimistic for this one. Um, I know we're on the uh, Four Blades podcast. We semi-jokingly were talking about uh, Champions League potential. We have three home games in a row. Now we're completely joking. <laughs> <laughs> we have three home games in a row mm. against 
Bournemouth, Brighton and Norwich, which are all teams in the bottom five. If we were to win all three of those games, Chelsea are not in good form. Spurs are up and down. We could be quite close to fourth is all I'm saying. I'm not talking, about, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's absolutely ludicrous that we're in. I mean, I love, I, love the, I love the fact that we're in the odds, to be honest. Like Sky Sports mm. yesterday was saying the race for the top four. I'm like, oh, yeah, who's there? And then our bad come up. And we're like, this is just, what is happening? <laughs> but, yeah, yeah it's, it's, a great, it's a great little sort of dream to have. I'll never knock anyone for saying, you know, let's aim for it because he's brilliant. He's a, I, I get a bit, I find it a little bit cringe. I listened to Radio Sheffield uh, a couple of days ago and someone phoned up because I think we're definitely going to get top four. So like, oh, please stop, oh, please. <laughs> but yeah, it's a great little aim and it's a good laugh and stuff like that. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to enjoy it now for the rest of the season because I do think we're, we are safe. I think we need one more win. And I think yeah. I'm just going to really enjoy it and see where it takes us. And it's a good little... I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get nervous about it, put it that way, if we're, you mm. know, four games and we're three points off Chelsea. If we don't get in the Champions League, it's mad that I'm saying this. If we don't get in the <laughs> Champions League this season, it's hardly a disaster, is it? <laughs> Hardly, um, and yeah, you could almost make the case that perhaps the absolute best best case scenario is finishing one place outside the mm-hmm. Europe, Europa League yeah. spots. Maximum prize money, uh, minimum distraction next season. But no, I'd, I'd, oh mate, I'd, I'd love it <laughs> if we got into Europe. That would be the most mental yeah, thing. Uh, like th- Euro- forget the Champions League, Europa League. I think the incredible. top ten is a genuinely decent aim to have because I still think that'll be tough. Because yeah. you still imagine Arsenal on it. I still can't imagine us finishing above Arsenal, for instance despite the fact we've been yeah. above them all season pretty much it still seems a bit weird to me um, yeah. I think Wolves are definitely in with a shout at the top four I think they're a really good side uh, yes. Tottenham Man U you expect to finish above us and then you've got your likes of Everton who are just below uh, Burnley picked up a little bit so I think top ten's a realistic aim for me um, but yeah, why not? Let's let's go for Champions League while we're at it Why not indeed? This is, this is going to be a good month I think in terms of the potential excitement levels in the next four or five weeks mm. are mental when you think about it. I'd yeah. say there's three very winnable home games followed by Newcastle away, which they're still rubbish. I'm yeah, afraid I don't care how many points they got. Plus that FA Cup uh, fifth round tie as well. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, we've talked about free hits in the past being like, you know, Liverpool away. Like it doesn't really matter what yeah. happens, but this is like, Playing with house money now, like it doesn't, it it almost doesn't really matter. But the potential yeah. for us to do something incredible, it's it's just there for us, just an outside shot. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a good one. Sky eye at the moment, like with the players, yeah. it really must be. They you know they've gone to Palace, not played that well. One, not played that well against Arsenal, got a point away. Not played that well against West Ham. One, you know these. This mm. that's the sign of a good side, and it's a cliche again. But it doesn't. These games that we've not played that well in. Weirdly enough, I don't think we've deserved to lose either. So yeah. it's, it's not as if we're we're not doing a Newcastle where we're having shot after shot against us, then nicking one on the break or whatever. We've just not been quite where we, you know, have been in the past in terms of yeah. our play. But we've not been lucky or anything. So sky's the limit. Come on. Yeah, I think, a, a little, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good little. I think that's a good little subplot of these next few games. Actually, is is do we look back to our fluid best? Um, yeah. Or or have we gone for a slightly more I don't know prosaic approach or you know have we are we tiring a little bit? That it kind is of interesting thing. So, that this happened last season. We started off last mm. season playing really attacking football and you know getting threes and fours in some games and stuff and you know always going forward and then we got far more conservative after that Villa game obviously 
but still getting the results, but in a completely different way. And I think that's what's really great about this team is that there's two ways we can play. We can play mm. this almost ultra-attacking with the centre-halves coming forward, but we can also dig in, and it's not often you get that. Yeah. I wonder if uh, McGoldrick will be back maybe for uh, for this one. I'd like to see it. I think we, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm not even going to pronounce his name, but Ricky, I don't think he's going to be playing um, because obviously he's just come in. So we could do with a little bit of an option on the bench because obviously we only had Moose on there. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd like to see McGoldrick come back in just to, you know, I've missed him to be honest. Bless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Miss, Mrs. Big Shiny Ed. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Missed his uh, silky uh, skills potting around with his uh, cocky walk. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, right. Final footnote of this week. Uh, and you mentioned him there, Ricky Zivkovic. I just mm. want to re- recount something that happened on Twitter uh, with me last week, which is on Transfer Deadline Day, which is, is just so fantastic. Because actually, and this was following up from something I mentioned on the last pod, where I said, uh, from what I could see, Zivkovic is or will be the first United player whose surname begins with a Z uh-uh. in, the club's, <laughs> in the club's entire history. Well, you, you uh-uh me, but uh, hear me out. Oh, right. Somebody replied, uh, Royce1889 on uh, on Twitter, replied he's not even the first Zivkovic to play for United. We had a player called Lee Zivkovic who was on the bench for the Anglo-Italian Cup game against Piacenza in the 94-95 season. How is that for useless knowledge? That is brilliant. It's, it's the next level. I mean, some people level. say it was sad, but... <laughs> no, next level useless knowledge. Um, I, said, I said to him, like, that's, that's fantastic. How, how on earth do you remember that? And he said, um, it was one of the names on the 120th anniversary shirt that United released. So... If you remember, that that shirt was lined with, I think, every player that's played for on that shirt. It's got some random names on it, which is the kind of uh, secondary thing. There are players that we've only ever had on trial somehow get a mention on there. But, um, yeah, Lee, Lee Zivkovic is one of them. Uh, the, the fellow thought, who the hell is that, and looked him up, so yeah. knew we had another Zivkovic. The carrier bag firm coming through in the clutch chimed in at this point. <laughs> With the blooming team sheet from United versus Piacenza <laughs> on the, the 6th of September 1994. And there he is, number 14, Lee Zivkovic, oh, on the man. bench. A pretty, pretty crackers, yeah. Um, this is brilliant. So, like, I don't know, it's like Jonathan Creek or something. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did want to make sure we mentioned this. So... Um, of course, I, I had to ask like uh, Phil Rose, the, the man, the man behind the carry bag firm. Like, you know, did you did you just have that to hand that team sheet? You know, just in case for emergencies, or was it you know to some creative googling? And he uh, he unveiled a uh, a treasure trove of um, yeah. United programs, which is on Flickr. Uh, I can't even describe how many there are on there. Yeah. It's, it's going back to. 1897, uh, 98. There's there's hundreds of years of football pro United football programs on Flickr. Go to my Twitter to check this out because I retweeted it. It's absolutely incredible. But um, yeah, there it is. Uh, Zivkovic was on the bench for that game. However, final twist: Silent Blade on the S2 forum doesn't think that he played for United. He was he, he didn't get on apparently. Um, he was a youth player. He was a ball boy for us. In uh, visible in God knows how he knew this. He posted a link to um, a one-all draw Wednesday at Bramall Lane, and he's one of the ball boys. Zivkovic. You can see him when her scores looking a bit glum. I have this no idea. Mad. This is absolutely brilliant. This is like Colombo. Just one more thing. <laughs> 
it's it's absolute peak fandom from everybody. Incredible work. The upshot is, I don't think Lee Zivkovic ever played for Sheffield United. He was uh, it was on our books, but yeah. I don't think he ever got on the pitch. Which means finally, when. Rishiro, Ricky Zivkovic gets on the pitch for Sheffield United. He will become the first United player. His surname begins with a Z, I think. So yeah, if anyone wants to, uh, anyone else wants to correct me on that one, I'm, I'm all ears because that was a for me personally, that was a wonderful journey of knowledge. And that's that's the best end to a podcast I've ever heard, <laughs> ever anything. <laughs> I appreciate that. So yeah, do do go and check out um, the link to those those programs because it's I, I I think I'm just going to spend like an entire day looking through them at some point so yeah go uh, it's just it's at bladespod on twitter you can find it probably in my last last three or four tweets or something like that it's uh, it's properly amazing but there we go mate first the first z hopefully coming up but massive shout out to uh, united's more knowledgeable fan base than me yeah thank you for thank you for pointing out i'm always happy to be corrected especially when it leads to that level of in-depth knowledge so Love it. top work there we go mate sorry waffled on a bit let's uh <laughs> let's wrap up um, anything to plug? No, not this week. Uh, I got asked to go on Radio 5 on Friday, but I can't do it. So one of the other fans I passed on, Shore and View or Travelling Blade or In Good Nick and some of us, that if, so I tune in anyway because United are going to be involved in it. I think it's on at uh, 9 o'clock. So, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about... I presume it's talking about United and Bournemouth. He actually messaged me and said it's... We're talking about the United and Watford game, which was obviously last month. So I think he's got that wrong. But yeah, so tune in for that. But uh, no, myself, I'm having a quiet week after last week's nice. complete horribleness of trying to Google translate everything from Chinese and whatever. <laughs> you, did a, you did a cracking job and people can obviously check those out at roysviewfrom.com or at Panchero on Twitter. <laughs> Um, right, mate. Let's let's finish there. Thanks. Sorry for taking up so much of your time. I'm no, well done for getting through it with I, you. That ending was worth it. By a mile. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I hope other people agree. And uh, yeah, I might see you. Uh, might see you Sunday, and uh, we'll definitely yep. catch up after that game. Yep. Nice one, mate. Cheers. Nice one. Cheers, man. Take it easy. Thanks to Andrew, thanks to you for listening, thanks to the Denblades fanzine for being a sponsor, and thanks also to Beer52.com, who are also one of the sponsors of BladesPod. Now, if you're like me, football and a few beers go together very nicely. Beer52 are offering a free case of their hand-picked beers to BladesPod subscribers. All you need to do is head to Beer52.com slash BladesPod, sign up and cover the £4.95 for postage, and they will send you a case of eight free beers. And not just any beers, they are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting craft beers from the greatest small batch breweries the world has to offer. They're on a mission to find the best beers out there and deliver it to their members each and every month. Beer 52 do not hold you to ransom. You can leave at any time with no cost to you. Sign up today and get your free case of craft beer. Get it from beer52.com slash bladespod. That's the word beer, then the numbers 52.com slash bladespod.